place and no moment in history where I could stand and say, arithmetic begins here. Good evening and welcome to Five Star Sports Talk. I'm your host, Caleb Suggs, Franklin Neighborhood Sports Writer, or the guy whose opinions everybody loves to hate. You can, I can go with either one. I really don't care. And I'm, I'm here right now with my friend Bradley Wiley. How's it going? And my other friend, our producer, you can't see me putting up air italics, but I am our producer, Dakota Lowry. Air quotes. For those of you that may have uh, listened to me, the few... Uh, well, we had more than a few. I think we had well, we we got those beat he- we got those beats headphones for uh, how many people we had listening to our podcast when I did it with Welch. If you didn't know that, but anyways, if, for those of you that may have listened when I did a uh, podcast with Michael Welch, we did Showtime Sports. Um, the reason why we're not doing that anymore is, uh, well, he owns his own business, which is pretty impressive considering he's only twenty one years old. Must be nice. But uh, yeah, he <laughs> it really must be nice. He owns his own business, and uh, business got a little busy. And uh, he felt that he couldn't put in the right amount of time towards this. And I understand that. So we decided not to do it anymore. But because I love to talk about sports, I didn't want to stop doing this. I felt like I needed something to uh, you to use my sports knowledge for. I don't know how much I really have. I say I have a lot. but You can beat Siri. I can beat Siri. Hey, that's my favorite game to play. I do, I do like playing that game. But... Uh, so I really wanted to keep doing this, so I dragged uh, my my two other two friends into this. Literally, I said, I said, man, don't act like you didn't want to do this. You know you want to. You wanted to do it when we did uh, the other show. So don't even act like you didn't want to do this. I didn't think it would be as easy to drag Dakota into this because I because at first I was like, I don't even know if you can be on the show because I don't know if we have enough microphones. And I was like, I really just want you to do all the technical stuff. And he he said, okay. It was actually a lot easier than I thought it would be. But uh, here we are, and uh, I'm going to try. I, I'm maybe probably not do as good as introductions as Welch was, but I'm doing my best. And uh, today, you know, this is our first episode, actually, and it's pretty much going to be all college football. I'm a little sad because we only have one game left of college football for until, what is it, six months, seven months until September? I don't know. I'm not going to count. But uh, it's always the saddest time of the year. NFL, NFL gets me you know, by a little bit, but it's just not the same as college football. So we're going to talk a lot about it until as much as we can until it's over. And, uh, Bradley, go ahead and get me going. What's our first topic? All right. So on Saturday night, Alabama defeated Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl 45 to 34. After building up a 28 to nothing lead, Heisman runner Tua Tungavailoa finished 24 for 27 for 318 yards and four touchdowns. Heisman winner, uh, Kyler Murray finished 19 for 37 for 308 yards and two touchdowns, as well as 109 yards rushing and one touchdown. What are your biggest takeaways from that game? I mean, did two approve he should have been the Heisman winner? My biggest takeaways from the game were it went exactly like the way I thought it was going to go and not exactly the way I thought it was going to go. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. It went exactly the way I thought it was going to go because I, I thought – I thought Alabama was going to win. They were the better team. I, I felt that, you know, even though as much as I love Oklahoma and do not like Alabama, I felt that Alabama was the better team. So I thought they would win. I also picked Alabama to win by 10. They won by 11. So I was pretty close. I did not expect it the way it went about, the way it got to 11 points. You know, Alabama winning by 11 points. I absolutely did not expect 
the game to start the way that it did. Alabama jumping to a 28 nothing lead. I did not see that coming. If anything, I was thinking more they'll go back and forth the first half, first three quarters, and Alabama would pull away late. I was definitely not thinking Alabama was going to jump up 28 to nothing. So, uh, I don't know. It, uh, it, it was exactly what I expected, like I said, and it was also not exactly what I expected. But uh, my two, really my two biggest takeaways, and i got to give heavy props. There's two props i got to give. The first one's to Alabama, and that was the game plan. I came in thinking they need to they don't need they need to limit Oklahoma's possessions. They need to run the ball, chew clock, you know, don't try to get in a high scoring matchup with them, just, you know, pound the ball. They did not do that. They did the exact opposite of that. They came out and they they gut they just they gut punched Oklahoma. And uh kudos to Nick Saban in that game plan. Uh it was not what I thought they should do, but that's why I'm don't that's why I'm not making millions of dollars. That game plan was amazing. Coming out and just jumping out to that lead and just, you know, that was, and you, and I, I could tell that that was the game plan. It wasn't just the way the game happened. I could tell it was the game plan because when they were up, however much they were up, and Saban threw his headset down. I mean, Saban gets mad, but Saban doesn't usually get throw, throw his headset down and break it mad. And but when he did that, I knew that that was the game plan because I I knew in that moment he was mad because they were they had felt squandered an opportunity to score no touchdown because he wanted them to keep scoring touchdowns because he knew Oklahoma could get back in it just like that. It didn't matter how much they were up. So I knew that was the game plan. So really, kudos to them for that game plan. Uh, the second props I have to give is to Oklahoma. How many times have we watched Alabama get up like that on a team and then that team just fold and give up and not really do much the rest of the game? Oklahoma never gave up, and they actually—I don't want to say they ever came back, but they made it interesting a few times. I mean, if a few bounces go their way, maybe it does get a little bit more interesting. But uh, so, mad props to Lincoln Riley for getting his team after they get down twenty-eight to nothing and just turning that game around. Uh, not many teams would do that. Not many at all. I, I was just impressed overall by the way Alabama just came out, exploded out of the gate and made this their game. Because so many times we see Oklahoma just just keep rolling and score every single possession. Alabama took that away from them, scored 28 to nothing to start it, and that just kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. Now, to answer your second question, did Tua prove that he should have won the Heisman? Uh, no. No, he did not. And that's not because he played bad, but it's more of the, you know, all month leading up to this game, all I heard was, how bad Oklahoma's defense is and how bad defense is in the Big 12. And my grandmother could play defense for Oklahoma. That was all I heard all month long. And then after the game, I hear about how Tua Tungavola, with his performance, proved that he was the Heisman Trophy winner. Well, you can't have it both ways. I mean, it's got to be one or the other. Either that def- If that defense was as bad as you say it is, then wasn't his performance doing exactly what he should do? I mean, if he had done anything less, we would have called it under underperformance, will we not? But so you can't have, I mean, am I, am I wrong here? You can't have it both ways. I mean. I'm not saying he hand, didn't, I'm not saying he didn't perform well. He performed great. But I mean, if Oklahoma's his defense, and they're bad, it's bad defense. I'm not, I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. It's bad. So if they're as bad as we think they, and we saw that they were, I mean, is this was what it was expected, right? Well. Tua went 89% completion. Kyler, 51. 
I mean, how how bad did Tua play against Georgia? That's the game that took him out of the chances. What if this game would have been before the Heisman? If yeah. this game would have been before the Heisman, they would both have that blemish on their record, and it would have evened the playing field, and it would have been a toss-up so, even but, more but than it already was. But you're going off completion percentage. So against against Georgia, Tua really didn't play very well at all. No, not not just his completion percentage, yards, touchdowns, nothing. So yeah, Kyler Murray's completion percentage wasn't great, not ten of thirty seven, but he still threw for three hundred eight yards, and he still threw for two touchdowns, and he also became the first quarterback to ever rush for over a hundred yards against Alabama, and he scored a touchdown. So I, his statistics weren't bad. He great. He played great. My my thing is. I felt I felt this way when when Kyler won it. I thought they were both deserving. I would have been fine with either one of them winning. To be honest with you, they were both great quarterbacks. To be honest, any given year, all three it, of the all, top three contenders, all three would have won. Been Heisman winners. absolutely. Um, if Tua comes out and plays like this against Clemson, then I'm going to change my tune because that's different. Clemson's defense is there's some dogs on that defense. It's different. It's a different animal. It is. So if you play like that against Clemson, then yeah, I'm gonna change my tune. But you you playing like that against Oklahoma, well, that's what I expect from a Heisman runner-up. So I, I just you know Kyler played a great game. No, his completions weren't great. Not ten to thirty-seven isn't great. But uh, I think you know that you know, and that really comes more from them having to play so far behind. Because really, what a lot of people don't understand is Oklahoma's game is based on running the ball. And they got down so early, and they had to throw it so much. So that's really where the, a lot of those incompletions came from. But still, he had great statistics. So uh, I'm not say, ready to say Tua should, should have been the Heisman Trophy winner. If he plays like that against Clemson, though, I, I will probably will be ready to say that. Speaking of Clemson, they absolutely dominated Notre Dame, 30-3. to They scored three touchdowns in the second quarter. Clemson outgained Notre Dame 538 yards to 248. Was this game proof that Notre Dame has to join a conference? Uh, yes, yes, it is. And uh, I told you know, I've, I, there's different feelers out, you know. But I told y'all this when we were watching the game on Saturday. Afterwards, I said uh, Notre Dame's. Um, actually, I forgot the way I put it. Oh yeah, Notre Dame. They will no longer get the benefit of the doubt, and that's really what got them in the playoff this year. Everybody that watched them, I mean, they're undefeated, but we knew. We knew they weren't really. Me and you had talked about it the whole time that they were in the top ten, that if they kept this up, they they still didn't deserve to be in it, but they would get in anyways just because they were undefeated. I don't want to say they didn't deserve to be in it. They weren't good enough to be in it. They, yes. I mean, they won their games. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's, you know they, normally a schedule like they had would have been tough when you have Florida State and USC on it. It's not their fault that they were down this year, but they just they were not one of the four best teams, and everybody knew that. But they got the benefit of the doubt because they were undefeated, so they got in, but they'll no longer get the benefit because, I mean, when you look at it, this was just pretty much the way it was when they got beat by Alabama. They were undefeated that year, and then they got rolled. I mean, <clears throat> it's, it's over for them. If they really want to get back in the play, and I'm not saying if they don't ever get in, the play, in a conference, they'll never make the playoff again, but it's going to be really tough. They're gonna have you're gonna to have, have actual top ten teams. Or your top your, five your teams. best wins can't be Syracuse and Northwestern. If and Michigan, and, well, Michigan early in the year, early, the first game of the year, you know, and, and it turns out Michigan wasn't as good as we thought they were and either. Michigan got steamrolled by Florida and Ohio State, both of which were not the best teams in their conference, probably. No. Well, well Ohio, except for Ohio, Ohio State, State was the best team in Big Ten. Big Ten is. 
in a league of their own right now. But uh, they really need to get into a conference. And I, I saw some people ask, what would the difference be if they would have been in a conference? Well, the difference would have been if they were in that conference, they would most likely be in the ACC, which means they would have still played Clemson, but it would have been in the ACC championship game. Like so They would have had to approve themselves in the in their championship game before they were allowed to prove themselves in the playoffs. And I don't think it's fair to other teams that you get to play one less game and get into the playoff, which is a bit is the biggest game of I'm, the career of the I mean, yeah, I mean, season with, with exception to bowl games slash playoff games. You know, Clemson obviously Clemson's toughest game wasn't their conference championship, but I would argue that Oklahoma and Alabama's toughest games were there. I know Alabama's was. I would probably ar- argue that Oklahoma's was too. And, you know, Ohio State's, not, not, it wasn't this year, but in previous years it might have been. So, yeah, um, Notre Dame really has to get into a conference. And if they really, because, and, you know, and I, Notre Dame's just not what they used to be. You know, you, we used to think about Notre Dame as a great program, but really I wouldn't want to coach there. Brian Kelly's the only coach to ever win the Home Depot Coach of the Year award twice. And if I showed you how much money he made, I'm not, I don't have the exact number on the front of my face, but I've seen it. It's not a lot compared to what you would think it is and compared to other coaches. And it's hard to recruit at Notre Dame because, you know, academic standards, you know, not everybody can get into that school. So it's hard to recruit there. So, yeah, if they really want to get into the playoff from now on, they're really going to have to get into a conference. But, uh what else we got going? All right. So, speaking of not so good playoff games, for the third time in five years, eighth time in ten games, the playoff game winners won by double digits. Also, five, seven, eight, and nine teams lost their bowl games. Did the committee get it right? Like, in terms of first place? Well, yeah, the committee got the four teams right. This should have been. They should have been in the games. That that was the four correct teams to put in because Georgia. I know Georgia was the big argument, but here's Georgia's problem. If you know, and I know their players were tweeting about it during the games and everything. They lost. Yeah. What now? Georgia lost. Yeah, I know. We're getting. I'm getting to that. But I'm talking about before then. Before they got to their Sugar Bowl. Oh yeah. First of all, Texas is back. <laughs> Texas is back, y'all. They are. This is coming from a newly found Oklahoma fan. It's not newly found. My grandfather used to live there. It's more of a Baker Mayfield fan. Yeah, he's a huge Baker fan. We're still deciding. How could you not be a Baker Mayfield fan? Don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't hate the guy. I love someone that goes out there and puts his own spin on the game. He left. He led the Cleveland Browns to almost a winning record. He almost put them in the playoffs. Almost. I mean, close they've been to the playoffs in how many years? I don't know. Okay, back back to college football. But I, the committee got the teams right in the first place. Georgia was one of the four best teams, I think, even though they lost to Texas, and we'll get to that. But I, I still think they were one of the four best teams, I, you know, and I still think they are. But, uh, you know, you've got to you, you take, care, you gotta take care of business. Yeah. You know, you can't be you, – you lose the right to complain when you get blown out by 20 to LSU, which is an average SEC team, in my opinion. And then you blow another two touchdown lead to Alabama in the second time in a in a year, second time in the same dang stadium. <laughs> you, I mean, if you want to be in the playoff, you got to take care of business. I mean, yeah, your schedule was tougher than Notre Dame's, and it you know, but at least they won their games. That's not their fault. Their schedule's tougher. Yeah, it's like I always say when people complain about Alabama not playing anybody. Well, 
yeah, they didn't really play a lot of tough teams in the regular season this year, but that's not their fault. No, I mean, usually, usually, the, usually the SEC most teams, most teams won't want to play somebody. Well, it has nothing to do with out. that. Usually, the SEC is the toughest league. I would argue the SEC was a little down this year, but that's not. Well, it, it was a little down, and also the fact that Alabama was a little up from you know they're usually the best team anyways, but they were a little even better this year. But that's so that's not their fault that they didn't you know, and it's not Clemson's fault that the ACC was down, you know. They took care of business, Georgia. You're, you know, you know what you're getting into every year. You're I in mean, the SEC. You know what you have to beat each year to be in the SEC championship and make it to the playoffs. And and you did One the same. You did the same thing. Is almost as much as you can afford. I you, mean, if you have two losses, there's a good chance that someone else is going to get in over you. And they did the same thing they did last year. They uh, they walked into Auburn and they slept walked and they got rolled. And they, but they got a chance to, for revenge, and they got the SEC championship win, and they got in the playoff. Well, this year it didn't work out for them, and I don't. I feel no sorry for them at all. Yeah, I think they're one of the four best teams, but if you if you're really one of the four best teams, you're not going to lose two games. Yep. So, um, I, what was your other question? All right. So, did this bowl season kill any chance at a playoff expansion? Six teams, eight teams, however many teams. Yeah, I think it did. And I think that's um, it's if if you if you wanted to see it expand, it's tough because I think it was really gaining traction because especially with Georgia and Ohio State being left out, they both had reasonable arguments to be in there. Um, but the fact that the the, the playoff game is being uh, so blown away, you know, well, you know, eleven points for Oklahoma, Alabama, and twenty seven for I mean, that's nothing new. Like you said, eight out of the ten games, the playoff games that we've had, have been decided by double digits. So that's nothing new. But um, I think the fact that, you know, the five, seven, and eight, nine teams losing, that really hurt too. So, um, yeah, I think it really did hurt the expansion tall. You know, I'm not saying we would ever will expand. I still think we should expand, not to eight teams, but to six teams, just so because you're always going to have that four and five team that's an argument. So I think, you know, moving it to six, we get rid of that, you know. But uh, the thing that I didn't like was I, I saw some things like on Twitter and stuff where people were saying, go back to the BCS, <laughs> the BCS, the thing that all I remember about it was people complaining about it. And they kept saying that because, you know, Alabama, and it was clear that Alabama and Clemson were the best two teams. Well, my argument with there is what would go, you know, it wouldn't change anything. We still got Alabama and Clemson. It's not like. You just it's got not to, like you got to actually watch two other games. We got to so what by saying moving back to the BCS, what you're saying is you're opposed to more football. Yeah, because literally nothing would have changed if we if we went back to the BCS. We still would have had Alabama and Clemson. It's not like one of those teams got upset and kept them from. So I just, I, I mean, mean, and it's and you're also by saying go back to the BCS. <clears throat> this just shows how much football has become a what have you done for me now league sport. People just forgetting the fact that the four seed has won the playoff national championship twice, and the one seed never has. So we're are we just forgetting that. So so that going back to the BCS, you know, you, we should we should just have the two top teams. Well, what about in two thousand fourteen when Ohio State won it, or last year when Alabama barely got in and ended up winning it? So I think that that's a little dumb. You know, maybe it should stay at four. I mean, the main reason I would like to see enough, see more. See an expanded playoff. I mean, you get to watch more football. That's I just, the only thing. I mean, I feel like the true team will will emerge victorious, of course, and that just gives me more football to watch. 
Well, I, I would I would like to see a playoff game on campuses. I think that would be a lot of fun. I think it would be a whole lot better for the community because that would allow the actual higher seed to get behind their team, cheer them on. And I mean, who doesn't love a game day in their own town or their own college's town? I mean, it's just better all around. Yep, yep, I agree. Well, going on a little, final, finally, a little something that I'm a little bit more excited about. Talk about. Get me going. All right, so. As we know, Auburn defeated Purdue 63-14 to in the Music City Bowl in Gus's first game as primary play caller in nearly three seasons. Caleb, I'm going to let you talk about this one because I didn't even get to watch it. It was during the day. What were the biggest takeaways from the game? Well, biggest takeaways from the game is you sh- if you're an Auburn fan, you should be happy. I'm not saying you should be overly excited. Auburn's back. Gus is back. You know, you know, we're going to be back in national championship contention next year. I'm not saying you should be that overly excited, but you should be excited after the month that Auburn went through. With is Gus going to get fired or is he not? You know, all the things that happened there. You know, and just all the negativity that was surrounding the program. They literally could not have played any better in this game. They, they played as good as they could have. They scored a touchdown on every possession in the first half except for the last one when they got it back with 11 seconds and took a knee. So, you know, they scored the most first-half points in bowl game history. So they, they played great. And, uh, you know, my other biggest takeaway was uh, Gus looked at home back calling the plays. And I really think that's where he should be because that was the whole point Auburn hired him in the first place. And, you know... I don't really, you know, if he's, that's just what he's comfortable doing. And you could really see it, you know, I saw someone say, well, I don't get what the difference is. Auburn's not running any different plays than they usually ran all season. Well, first of all, they, they, they were, they ran several different plays that I hadn't seen them run all year, but it's play calling. isn't just new plays. It's calling the right plays at the right moments. There was one time where they motioned their H-back into the backfield, and I thought, well, but they're going to run it here, and they ran a beautiful play-action pass for a touchdown. You know, in the season, that would have been a straight run. I thought it was a run. They ran, you know, they ran it. So I, I was sitting there like, that's going to be a run. But, you know, so knowing when to call plays at the right times, at the right moments, running this play so you can set up for another play later in the game, that's what play calling is. It's not just coming up with new plays, but they did run new plays. So he looked a lot at home. I'm anxious to see what he does next year. You know, this is do or die, and he's put it on himself. I'm impressed. You have to give respect to him. I don't know if he's going to get it done next year because they have a tough schedule, a really, really tough schedule next year. But, uh, you know, if if my job was on the line, I would put it on myself too, and that's what he's done. I think you have to give respect to that. And let's remember, this is the same Purdue team that beat Ohio State 49-20. to Yeah, the Big Ten is not that great. No. I've learned that during bowl season. Big Ten is not that great. So that's why I'm saying don't get overly excited because I don't care if this is the team that beat Ohio State by 29. They're not a great team. Not at Auburn all. was clearly better than them. So that's why I'm not saying get overly excited. I'm more excited the fact that they just showed up and handled their business more than the fact that they beat Purdue. But uh, did you have another question? Um. All right. So what will Gus have to do to right the ship and keep his job in 2019? Because this year they were ready to fire him. Yeah, it's do or die. I mean, this is it. They didn't fire him this year mostly because of the contract, but next year is do or die for Because him. we know a lot of boosters were ready, like, hey, we'll pay it off as long as you get somebody good. They, uh, the first thing they have to do is get offensive line. 
shirt up because that was a huge problem this year, and it was partly why they couldn't get their running game going. They got a lot of players coming back, and they got they got some good players coming in in the class. Um, he's got he's got to get that offensive line. That's the biggest key. No, because he, I mean this year they looked lost at their running I, back identity. Yeah. I mean you didn't know who was the best back, but I don't really think run. that was. All, I don't you think can't that was. Run. If you don't have somebody, yeah, to I don't think he was all on the running back. I mean, I know they were all freshmen, but I don't think he was all on the. I think he was the offensive line. It was a big problem. And this, this is year. coming from an Auburn team that has had thousand yard rushers first season without a thousand yard rusher since two thousand eight. And I mean that's impressive. But uh, and then he's got to find a quarterback. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be Malik Willis. I think it's going to be Joey Gatewood, the redshirt freshman who redshirted this year, or it's going to be Bo Nix. I'm kind of hoping it's Bo Nix, but. If Bo Nix can come in and lead this team, I will be impressed because I mean you don't see that out of many freshmen. But he's got to, he's got to be ready. He can't. You can't lose games that you're, you're that you shouldn't. That's what that was his problem this year. He shouldn't have got beat by Mississippi State, and he shouldn't have got beat by Tennessee. I mean, you've got to win games that you're expected to win. Because yeah, because when you get later in the schedule, you got Georgia and Alabama. You ain't gonna be expected to win those no. games. I mean, so and it, next year Auburn's schedule is tough. It's probably going to be the, top ten. I would imagine, maybe, possibly the toughest. It's it's pretty tough. But uh, I would like to talk more about that. But we need to keep we need to get going. So let's go on to the next topic. All right. So here's one of my favorite topics of the night. So after the playoff games on Saturday, me, Caleb, and Dakota, all three watched the UFC pay per view fight. John Jones has returned. And he has been off for 15 months, but he successfully defeated Alexander Gustafsson for the vacant light heavyweight uh, title. And after the fight, Jones called out UFC champion Daniel Cormier and longtime rival for one more fight. Daniel Cormier said he wants to retire before he or as once he turns 40. That's coming up soon. Do you th- who do you think needs this fight more? They both need it bad, but uh, Cormier needs it more. And that's just, I mean, John Jones needs it because all the stuff that's happened outside the octagon for him, he really needs this fight to prove. And, you know, because Demio Cormier is the heavyweight champ and he's top pound, pound fighter in the world right now. He needs to prove that all that stuff was just – you know, him being stupid and making mistakes, and he really is one of the best, probably the best fighter of all time. But even if he doesn't get this fight, as long as he keeps his head straight and stays in the octagon, he's going to prove that eventually anyways. So Cormier needs this more because if he doesn't beat John Jones, he's never going to be truly considered the greatest pound, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Remember, he's only got the championship right, or... He's he's the heavyweight champ. He's the heavyweight champ, but he just had to vacate the light heavyweight which he only had because John Jones wasn't there. Yeah. He had to vacate it himself. Yeah. Um, Cormier can say all he wants. And I've, I've grown some respect. I didn't like him to begin with, but I've grown some respect for him. He's, he's a great fighter. He's a lot better than I – he is really one of the best. His, his fight against Derek Lewis, I know Derek Lewis isn't the best I was, UFC fighter. He's more of a brawler, like boxer type. But when he beat Derek Lewis and – Actually outstrategized him in every way, took him to the ground, made it his ga- his fight. I honestly saw that Derek, I mean uh, Daniel Cormier was actually a good fighter. Do I think he's better than John Jones? No way. John Jones is still the number one pound per pound fighter. I think I don't. In I, my eyes. I don't think it's as far 
I don't think the distance between the two is as far as it once was, especially not when they first fought. Because when they fought the second time, even though he lost, it was a much, it was a much closer fight. Jones just caught him, you know, and that's the great thing about UFC. You can be as great as you are. You get caught, oh, yeah. you're going down. So Cormier really, he's he's the top pound for pound right now. Uh, you know, Jones is probably gonna Jones is three. He's probably gonna move up to two, but uh, I just don't. If he doesn't, if he doesn't, and I know he's. They've been some things about him fighting Block Lesnar. I don't. That's not gonna do anything for him. No, it's that's not. just a money fight. If he truly wants to be remembered as the greatest of all time, he has to step into the octagon with John Jones and beat him. That that Brock Lesnar fight was one of those scripted things where Dana White told him to go in there and call out Brock. It's just a money fight. Before they knew that John Jones was going to come back, because John Jones coming back, I think that changes everything for Daniel Cormier. Well, that's what Dana White I mean, wants this fight. Everybody wants this fight, you, and I just don't I mean, see how we're not going to get it. Fan wants this fight; they're going to get this fight. I mean, yeah. if he and if he doesn't take this fight, they're going to look at him and say, "Well, he was just scared." I mean, he can talk all trash he wants, and John and John Jones ain't perfect. He's made mistakes. He's done some stupid stuff, but. If he doesn't take this fight and John Jones keeps his head on straight, you know, and stays in the octagon and defends his title like he was back when he was, he's, you know, he's going to be, people are going to start forgetting about that and they're going to start talking about him like they used to about being possibly the greatest ever to ever do it. And Cormier is going to become an afterthought. Not an afterthought. He will be remembered as a great champion, but he won't be remembered like he wants to be remembered. I mean, he'll be remembered as holding two titles. And that's great. But, that's great. I mean, that is a that's an amazing accomplishment. I'm proud of him. I mean, he he did. But when you think about Daniel Cormier, you think about John Jones. Oh yeah, and because it, I mean, those are the two main people that hate each other the most. I mean, and, they, and it's legit. They hate. It's each not other. scripted. It's I mean, it's, legit. It's, it's about like probably like McGregor and Khabib. Oh I mean, gosh, I don't want to get into that. They. <sighs> those are some rivalries that will never be topped just because they truly hate each other. All right, we're running low on time, but we got a big game this Monday. This Monday, my my team, Alabama, faces off against Clemson for the fourth year in a row and the third time in four years in the national championship game. Alabama's 2-1 and one versus Clemson in the previous three meetings, and their offense ranks second in the nation in points per game and fourth in yards per game, while Clemson's ranks fourth and third. On the other side... Clemson's defense ranks number one in opponents, points per game, and second in yards per game. Alabama's defense ranks fifth in points per game and 13th in yards per game. Alabama is a six-point favorite at the time of our podcast, and the over-under is 59.5. Is Alabama and Clemson meeting for the fourth straight year bad for the sport? Well, first of all, I'm going to say I didn't really think we were going to get here because I, I just felt like all year. I mean, we just talked it was Alabama and Clemson, Alabama and Clemson. I was just thinking there's going to be something happen. We're not going to get these two teams in the championship, but we did. And this this season reminds me. I, I don't you probably don't remember this, but of 2005 and USC and Texas. All year it was those two, and then they got in the national championship game, and it was possibly the greatest game of all time. It was a, a stunner of a game. That's what this season reminds me of. Is it bad for the sport? I don't think so. I mean. Yeah, maybe it gets a little tiring to see the same teams over and over again, but it, I think it's different because it's not like the Warriors and the Cavs. You know, other than that other than that one year, the Warriors were clearly the better team the th- other three times. You know, the Cavs just had LeBron. This is different. Alabama may be the better team, but it's not it's it's it's, cl- it's closer. Clemson recruits like Alabama. 
you know, they're up there with them. So it's it's not bad, you know, and it's it's really not bad for the sport because it's going to call because someone's eventually going to topple these teams. So and it's going to just call these these two teams being so great is going to cause teams like Oklahoma to finally take that next step, or Ohio State, or I don't know Florida State or Georgia, whatever it is. You know, it's the, eventually some of those teams are going to take that next step and beat one of these teams and kick them out. So it's not bad for the sport. Um, do you have anything else? Um, me, I don't think it's bad as long as they are the two best teams this year, which they obviously are. I mean, they've done everything they needed to to get here, won when they needed to. So I think this is a great matchup. It's going to be a great game. It's going to continue on as probably one of the greatest of the decade again. I hope so. so. I think I think it's going to be a good game. I hope I so. I mean, and for – the six-point favorite, I honestly think that it's going to be closer than that. I, I, would, I would pick Clemson to cover. Um, so what are the biggest matchups that we need to watch for in the game? Well, you're going to hear a lot about Clemson's defensive line getting pressure on Tua, and that's a huge matchup. Even without Dexter Lawrence, that Clemson defensive line is is nasty. So, and I don't they're going to get pressure on Tua in Alabama like I don't think he's seen this year, even more than Georgia. So that's going to be talked about all week leading up to the game, and that's a huge matchup. But what's ultimately going to decide this game is Trevor Lawrence. You know, Trevor Lawrence became the starter for this game. Dabo benched Kelly Bryant, who had taken him to the playoff the year before, and put Trevor Lawrence in this game for this game. And, you know, you can say what you want, but that's really what it was about. He knew if he placed off at Alabama again, he was going to have to have someone that could stretch the field and use those wide receivers, and that wasn't Kelly Bryant. And he chose to put him in early in the season – because he wanted to get him ready for this game. Ready for this game. He didn't want it to be just and, a and we, and we saw in at the last second. We saw against Notre Dame. They've got he can make up the throws, and they've oh, got yeah. some studs at wide receiver. Not just uh, they've got tall guys. They've got small white dudes. They've got Amari Rogers that can do everything. Bro. They've got all kinds of receivers, and that's how they're going to beat Alabama. So it's all it's all going to come down to Trevor Lawrence. You know what people don't understand is he's a true freshman. And Clemson's schedule hasn't been tough. They have Trevor Lawrence hasn't seen anything like he's going to see against Alabama. So what he what he does is going to decide this game. Is he going to is he going to become the star quarterback we know he will become? Is he going to be this? Is this going to be his coming out party? You know, is he going to is he going to make all the throws? And is he going to be like Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson was the reason Clemson beat Alabama the last time. Oh yeah. And so I is he is he going to is he going to is he going to do that kind of performance or is he going to look like a true freshman? You know, is he going to make some mistakes? Is he going to miss some throws? Is he going to get rattled? You know, that's what's going to decide this game. To be honest, I think the main thing that's going to help Alabama win or even Clemson win, Alabama's got to produce on offense. I mean, their offensive line has got to be able to handle Clemson's defensive line for four quarters. I I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think Clemson's gonna obviously. I think Clemson's gonna make more plays than other defenses make against Alabama, but Alabama's still gonna get their points. Clemson's gonna make enough plays to get keep Clemson in the game and put them in the chance to win the game. It's gonna be up to Clemson's offense to decide if they can make those plays to win because Alabama's gonna get their points. That's gonna happen. That offense is too good. You don't shut it down. You you might do like Alabama gets get get against Oklahoma, rattle it a little bit. You know, maybe keep them under some season averages, but you're not gonna completely shut it down. They're gonna get some points. But uh, Clemson's defense is going to put them in position to make plays. They're going to put them in a position to possibly win the game. It's going to be up to Clemson 
to decide if they want to be if they can make those plays to win the game. Personally, as much as it kills me to say this, I do not think they will. I think Alabama wins this game. I think they're the better team, mostly because I think Trevor Lawrence is he he may be he he may be coming all time great, and he may have a good game in this game. But I I just I keep thinking the fact that he hasn't faced anything like this Alabama defense all year. Their schedule is really going to hurt him. Comes Monday I think night. The closest they got was what Texas A&M. Texas A&M. A&M. That Texas really, that, A&M very well could have won that game. And it was week two of the season, and he wasn't even the starter yeah. then. He didn't even get to face off. Like they're off. I mean, he played knows. in that game, but he wasn't the starter. So I think it's gonna be a good game. I think it's gonna be close, but ultimately, I think and Alabama's more experienced. This and, Clemson team. They've got a they've got a vendetta to yeah I mean yeah, I mean I right picked, now because I, mean, I picked year, Clemson to win this not not win this game I picked Clemson to win the national championship in preseason because I thought this team was stacked if Trevor Lawrence is just as good as they can say he can be then they'll be good I didn't expect Alabama to be as good as they were this year but see last year Alabama manhandled this Clemson team I mean I'm sure there are some starters that played last year that are like. We've got to prove ourselves. But the difference is, last year out, Clemson didn't have a quarterback that could threaten. Uh, that's true. So this year, I expect this game. This it's going to go down the wire. It's going to go down to the wire. This will be the game to watch of the year. I'm going to go. I'm going to say about Alabama, thirty-eight to thirty-four. I'm not going to predict any points because I don't. I don't want to get too excited, but. I'm, I'm excited for this game. This is going to be a good game. I am too. And with that, we're going to close this episode.